Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. Be careful that you're not complaining to God about the very thing that he blessed you with. This is from him. These things are from him. God gave me this. God did that for me. God provided this thing for me. Know this with complaining. And every complaint that I make is ultimately against God. My complaint says, God, you, you're not, it's not right what you're doing. God, I know you're sovereign. You can do anything, but I don't like what you chose to do here. Complaining is an issue that most people struggle with from childhood on. Today, Pastor Bill invites you to look at how complaining caused lots of problems for the Israelites and is still causing problems for you thousands of years later. You see, when you complain, you're really telling the Lord that what he's doing isn't good enough. This breaks God's heart and makes him angry, but you can choose differently. You'll learn that gratitude and praise are the antidotes to a critical complaining spirit. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Numbers, chapter 11, as he continues his message, No More Complaining. As these people here are getting caught up in complaining, one thing that we want to know about complaining is that it's contagious. It's contagious. It's easy to spread. It spreads like cancer. It's easier to spread complaining than it is to spread encouragement. Try that work. You guys, if you know, anybody work in a worldly environment, Somebody come in, just anything negative, people just, yeah, I know, I know, I know. Man, I can't believe we had to work, to, you know, four o'clock, an extra hour today. But we got overtime for it, and they just complain, and it's easy, it doesn't cost anything, and people just get caught up in it. So as the people of God, we want to be careful that we don't get caught up, that we don't get wrapped up in that sort of an attitude of complaining. And so once again, in verse four, the mixed multitude who are among them, they yielded to intense cravings. So the children of Israel also, it says, wept again and said, who will give us meat to eat? Now, when it says wept again, I struggled the word again. And I believe that that's what they were complaining about in the first place. Because remember in verse one, it didn't say what they were complaining about. But here it says, when they wept again and said, who will give us meat to eat? Now, I want to just point this out. They are complaining and weeping. They're, they're, they're weeping, they're crying out to God for some food. We want meat. We want some other stuff. They, they want some other stuff to eat. And as I read this and I consider what God was already doing for them, how he was already doing so much, it has to be for God a slap in the face. That's why I made him angry. And God said, that's I, all, I do, all I do for you guys. And so as believers... And we'll talk about this as we come to the end, but I want to just skip ahead and say this now. What is the one thing that we can always give thanks for no matter what is going on? What's the one thing? For salvation, for the cross, Jesus dying in my place, me not going to hell, but going to heaven instead. No matter what else happens, no matter what I'm eating or not eating, no matter what I have or don't have, no matter what's going well or what's going poor, because he did that. I always have something to give thanks for in the midst of maybe trying times in the midst of maybe difficulty in, in my real life I could recognize what God has done the bigger thing that he's taking care of for me and there should always be a cause or a reason to give thanks look at verse 5 now it says we remember the fish which we freely ate in Egypt 
the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. And so, like I told you, they're lusting backwards. They're romanticizing their time in Egypt. And it's, it's like they forgot that they were slaves in Egypt. And they're looking back and saying, I remember when it was like that. And so maybe you've done that. Maybe you've, at times, in your walk with the Lord, maybe you've been lonely. And you can remember when I was in the world, I had all these friends and all this stuff was going on. And, you know, I was never sitting here by myself on Friday night or whatever it's happened. You could just start belly aching and, and having a pity party and forgetting. But we can also forget all the things, the negative things that were taking place. And so two verses you could write down because the Israelites were affected by their surroundings. They were around the people, they were around the, the, the mixed multitude, the Egyptians, and they were impacted by it. We went over this in Romans 12, but in Romans 12 too, it says that we're not to be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. So we want to be careful about letting the world conform us, you know, fit us into its mold, have us thinking the way that it thinks. And then in a prayer that Jesus prayed, write this down in your notes, John 17, verses 15 and 16. Jesus, as he prays for the church, prays for believers, he says, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. And so we're in the world, but we're not of it. We're in it, but we're not of it. I'm, I'm in the world, I'm around worldly people, I'm around worldly things, but I'm not to begin to take it on and become like it. And that's what happened to the Israelites here. They were around the mixed multitude and now they sound like the mixed multitude. They, they've, they've taken it upon themselves, they've taken it in. Verse six, I'm sorry, it says, but now our whole being is dried up. There is nothing at all except this manna before our eyes. Now, if you guys remember, at an earlier date, they were hungry. You know, they weren't having that much food and they were complaining to Moses. And I don't know what it would be like. I mean, Moses, you know, I'm a leader, but I'm not leading this many people. And I read the Bible and I read these stories. I think, poor Moses. These people are something else. They just giving it to him constantly, complaining, and they going to him. What are we going to eat? We should have left us. We should have died in Egypt. We should have left us where we were. We've been better off, you know, and they're crying out and bothering. Moses is going and crying out to God for them. Well, God comes through and says, I'm going to do this for you guys. Supernaturally, I'm going to feed you manna. There's going to be every morning when you get up, there's going to be this food on the ground and you're going to gather up. You tell them how much to gather up for each day. Only eat enough for the day or else it'll rot. And they're disobedient and they tried to keep more than they were supposed to and it rotted and, and they had to see what that looked like. But God said, every day there'll be just enough of this food. It'll be enough for everybody to meet your need. It's going to sustain you and it's everything that you need and nutritionally and everything else. Every day it'll just be there. You won't have to go work for it. You just got to go out and collect it every morning. Collect the love for each person in your household. Manna. The word manna, if you look it up, it means what is it? Because the first time they saw it, everybody went out and they said, what is it? What is it? You know, I ain't never, they've never seen anything like it before. So they named it. Manna, what is it? That's, that's what it got left as. And so now, look at how they're talking about the supernatural provision of God. Look at verse 6 again. It says, now our whole being is dried up and there's nothing at all to eat except this manna before our eyes. And there's an, ex there's an exclamation point there. And this is something else that complaining will do. Complaining will cause you to complain against God's supernatural provision. And I hear this often. Maybe you complain about the job today that was an answer to prayer a year ago. 
A year ago, you was pleading with the Lord. God, please, I just need something, anything. Just something per hour better than nothing per hour. And God's like, boom, there you go. And after you get it and you got it and you're rolling with it, now it's a complaint. I can't stand these people. They ain't calling me, expecting me to, and it becomes a complaint. Maybe it could be your spouse. Some people pray for the spouse. Lord, please make, make, him, make, him, make him buy a ring and get me married and, and make her go ahead and see that she needs to be married. And you prayed and believed that this is what God had for you. And you were so thankful when you, they said yes. And you had a marriage date and all got married, went down the aisle and all that stuff. And now, complaining against them. They don't do this. And, and, and probably the stuff that, that you complain about, they've always been that way. But now you complain. Now you're complaining about it. Complaining today about something that was a blessing from God back there. Something God did for you. It could be a job. People complain about their kids. People praying to have kids. People complain about their kids. They keep waking me up at night. These kids are driving me crazy. They complain, complain about the kids that, again, one day you were so excited. Oh, we're going to have a baby. Praying, excited. Now you got a baby. Yeah, you got a baby. And then they need food and diapers and everything else that they need. And if you got teenagers, you got teenagers. And they got a whole other set of things. Be careful that you're not complaining to God about the very thing that he blessed you with. This is from him. These things are from him. God gave me this. God did that for me. God provided this thing for me. Know this with complaining. And every complaint that I make is ultimately against God. My complaint says, God, you, you're not, it's not right what you're doing. God, I know you're sovereign. You can do anything, but I don't like what you chose to do here. I don't appreciate it. I don't enjoy it. I'm not blessed by it. I'm complaining against you. You might think you're complaining against your spouse, your kid, your boss, your neighbor, but you're really complaining against God who's allowing those things to go through. And I'm not going to beat you up. I'm going to leave us with a remedy for complaining before we get done because it needs to be remedied so we don't continue to do it. So um, verse 7 through 9, it says, Now the manna was like coriander seed, and its color was like the color of bedellum, like a yellow color. The people went out and gathered it, ground it on millstones, beat it, into, beat it in the mortar, cooked it in pans, made cakes of it, and the taste of it was like the taste of pastry prepared with oil. Now I read that and I think that's not too bad. I mean, if, I, I remember being at a camp and making donuts for the first time. And you had oil. I mean, you made donuts. You, 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 fried a, you fry a donut. I don't know if you guys, you know, made donuts before, but you fry it up. I'm reading this and I'm thinking, it tastes like a pastry. So to have God say, I provided a food for you, it's a little sweet. Tastes like pastry. Eating danishes or, you know, whatever that might be like. Tastes like donuts every day and, you know, it's, it's healthy for you. Um, I'm I, I just throwing this out there. It said in verse 6 that our whole being is dried up. So I wondered if as they've been eating manna, had they gotten thin, they gotten skinny. My whole being is dried up. I was eating that other stuff. I was all plump. You know, all the thick, delicious people was like, look at me now. Give me some meat, doggone it. You know, I don't know. I just throwing that out there. So they might have been all drawn in and skinny now or whatever. And, um, but God said, man, you eating this food, it's meeting all you need. You are taking everything you need is supplied in this supernatural provision. And y'all are complaining against it. Verse 9 says, and when the dew fell on the camp in the night, the manna fell on it. And I'm not going to go any further in, uh, in numbers, but I have some other scriptures I want us to look at. This is the, the, what we want to gather from this. We know they complained against God. We know that it displeased the Lord. We know that God heard it when they did it. 
We know that it made him angry and we know that he burned against them for it. And there was punishment. God responded. God interacted. As we continue through the story, we see that the thing that caused them to complain was they allowed the world to impact them. They allowed the people around them that were complaining to rub off on them. And instead of them representing the Lord, instead of them saying, I know y'all are saying all this and that, but I'm going to tell you what God did for me. Remember when he brought us through this. Remember when he did that, instead of them speaking up and glorifying God and giving God glory, praising God, they got caught up in complaining. So one thing that I recognize is this, two things you can never do simultaneously. You cannot praise God and complain at the same time. Can't do it. You cannot praise God and complain. And so I believe the remedy to being a complainer so I asked everybody, think about the last thing you complained about. Everybody here complains about something out loud sometimes, maybe just in your heart. We grumble and complain. But as you think about the things you complain about, just recognize, like, could I complain about that and worship? Could I praise God for his goodness? And God, thank you so much for providing for me, for saving my soul, for ministering to me in this way and doing it. Can, you, can I thank God for the job and complain about it at the same time? Nope. Can't do it. You, some of y'all take a breath. Some, some, some of y'all figuring it out. God, thank you for my job, but I really don't like them at my job. But I thank you for them anyways. Some Christians get creative. Lord, I thank you for the job that you gave with the people that I really don't like that much. But that's, you can't do that, right? We, we give them glory for it. We got to leave it there. God, thank you for it. Thank you that I'm not someone. Thank you that I'm not looking for a job, but I have a job. Thank you that I'm not without a spouse. I, my spouse needs some work and I need some work. But thank you that I have one. Some people begging you to give them when I got one. Thank you. And... Don't be lusting backwards or forwards. Be thankful for what you do have from the Lord. And so a few verses that I want to look at with you guys. I'd like you to turn to them, write them in your notes. Hopefully you took notes. First one is 1 Corinthians 10, verse 10 and 11. I'll give everybody a moment to get there. 1 Corinthians 10, 10 and 11. I'll actually do verse 9, 10 and 11. So he says, nor let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents nor complained as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. But verse 11, now all these things happened to them as examples and they were written for our admonition upon whom the end of the ages have come. So God says, look, I've written these things down for examples for you guys. How come the Holy Spirit put these stories of their failures? Not that we can look back at them and put them down. But the New Testament says the reason God put the stories of their failures is to be examples to you and me and that it would teach us, that we would, that, that we would be admonished, that we would learn what not to do by looking at their example, that we wouldn't have to have the same things happen to us, but that we could learn from their example. Stay in the New Testament and um, you can just write this down in your notes, write down Philippians chapter 2, verse 14, and it's a, just a clear command here, it says, do all things without complaining and disputing. Do all things without complaining or disputing. It's a command and it's an emphatic. All things, everything, anything. Do all things without complaining and without disputing. That's what God desires. Write down also 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18 says this, In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So once again, it's emphatic. The other one said, do all things. This was in everything, give thanks. That means whatever's going on, God wants us to be people that are giving thanks. The thing that we can always give thanks for is Jesus. 
The fact that God loves us so much that he sent Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. That he died on the cross. Three days later, he rose from the grave, overcame sin, death, and Satan to give you and I freedom from sin and the opportunity to be in a relationship with the living God. We can always be thankful for that, and we should. The last thing I want to look at with you guys, and I want to leave us with this as as an example, because we got a lot of negative examples, but I want to give us a positive example to, to close on. And you could all turn there with me if you like, Job chapter 1. And I'll just kind of rehearse the story, you guys, and most, most of you guys are familiar with the story of Job. But it says in the early parts of Job chapter 1 that he was a really, really godly man. We know that he was very rich, wealthy, he had a lot of kids, he was married. It's told us that he would make sacrifices for his kids daily. And so he was invested in his kids' spiritual well-being, was a really good guy. And God's testimony of Job was that he was upright, blameless, feared God, and shunned evil. So this isn't Job bragging on himself. This is God saying, upright, blameless, fears God. So this is, a, this is a godly man. He's an awesome man of God. God and Satan have a conversation. And God asks Satan, he says, Satan, where you been? I'm paraphrasing, but you read Job 1, this is what happens. Satan says, I've been going to and fro, you know, doing what I do, wrecking lives. I'm paraphrasing. And God said, have you checked out or have you considered, that word considered means study for war. Have you considered my servant Job? And God was bragging on Job. God was saying, have you, have you, as you're going around looking for all these people, have you considered my man Job? Have you checked him out? And you know that Satan had checked him out? Because Satan said, well, there's a hedge around him and all that he has on every side. I can't get to him. Right? For the believer, you need to know that. That Satan can't just get to you. He, had God, he said, I have checked him out, but I get everything hedged in on every side. Because he prays and he's walking right with the Lord. So that's, a, that's, a, that's a hint and a clue for us. But Satan said this to God. He said, let me touch what he has. Satan doesn't serve you for nothing. He loves you because you blessed him. He's so rich. Let me touch his stuff and he will curse you to your face. Satan tells God. And God says, okay, you can touch all that he has, but don't touch him. And we see how vicious and vile the devil is. Satan touched everything that he had. He went from being the richest man in the land of us to broke in a day. One after the other, people came and said, man, Joe, we were out there in the field and the raiders came and they took all the animals, and all, the, all your camels, all your this, they're gone. Everything just depleted in a day. Then the worst one for every parent in the room, the absolute worst, the last one came and said, hey, all your kids were feasting together at the house and a, a, a east wind blew and the house fell down and killed all your kids, man. All your kids died. I couldn't imagine one kid dying or going through, but all your kids gone. Everything that you own, you broke, and all your kids died in a day. How many of us, I mean, just, I read that, and I've actually actually welled up emotionally reading that and then putting myself in the scriptures. Like, that's too too much. That's unbearable. Then Satan wasn't done. Satan went back, and, and God said, what's up? What's happening? He didn't curse me. He said, Satan said this, skin for skin, all that a man has will give for his skin. Let me touch him. That he didn't curse you yet because I couldn't touch him. Let me touch him. God says you can touch him, but set the parameters. You cannot take his life. And so Satan touched him. He had boils from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. Just boils. And if you guys know, that's an open, nasty, pus sores, uncomfortable. And he was just in, living in constant pain and duress. And he says he sat in a thing of ashes and with a pot shirt, a piece of broken pot was scraping off the, the stuff off of him. Just a pitiful place that you see him in. Then 
Satan got a hold of Job's wife. We don't ever get Job's wife's name. Uh, <laughs> probably a good thing, you know, but Job's wife comes over and she says, do you still hold fast your integrity? And she says to her husband what Satan said in the unseen realm. She said, why don't you just curse God and die? Where'd she get that from? How did the devil get a hold of her to get that out of her mouth? Everybody needs to be careful, right? She probably wasn't a non-believer. Just like Peter, in a moment of his own emotion, said, not so, Lord. And God said, get behind me, Satan. I'm, I'm going to the cross. Job's wife comes and says, you hold fast your integrity. Won't you just curse God and die? You got to be careful, husbands and wives, that sometimes Satan will use you to discourage your spouse. Speak the word of Satan instead of the word of God to your spouse. Job could not have been more beat down and discouraged. And that's why I'm, I'm, I'm wanting just to see, I want you to see where he's at. You could not have been more beat down. Dis I mean, if I ever read a scripture where I'm thinking, he, he got a right to complain. I'm Job, I'm saying, all my kids died. I was rich, now I'm broke. And I'm sick. And I'm sitting here, and I was living godly. So it ain't like this is a penalty for sin. And can I just top it off with one more thing? Job had three friends. You know what they did when they came by? They said, man, I know you probably, you did some sin, Job. This is a punishment. I know what happened too. You did some stuff you wasn't, you was prideful. You was doing some stuff you wasn't supposed to do. That's why this happened to you. That's what his friends did. They came and cast judgment on him because they didn't understand what was going on. That's Job's life right now. All that being said, look at Job chapter one, verses 20 to 22, and we'll, we'll close with this. It said, then Job arose, tore his robe, and shaved his head, and fell to the ground and worshipped. And this was, this was his worship. This is what he said. And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. It says, in all this Job did not sin, nor charge God with wrong. And I want you to know that this is in the spirit realm. This is the biggest in your face, right? Satan said, God, if you let me do this, he's going to curse you to your face. God says, I got a man in Job. I know he doesn't serve me just because I blessed him. I'm going to bless him again later. Read the end of the book. God, Job gets blessed with long life and more kids and, and everything that he was missing. And he saw his kids and grandkids for three generations. He got blessed. And when it's all said and done, but right here and now, God said, no, he, he loves me. He's going to stand by me. And after all those things happened, Job worshiped and he said, the Lord gave, the Lord take it away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And so when I tell you that the remedy for complaining is praise, it's the remedy. You can't praise God and complain at the same time. And so the next time you are tempted to complain, feel like complaining, feel like there's circumstances worthy of complaint, we can pray about things, but we don't want to complain about things. So there may be things that come up that need prayer. I need to pray for that. That's discomforting. That's disappointing. That's upsetting. I'm going to pray. I'm going to share it with the Lord. I'm going to give that to God. But don't become a complainer, especially as a believer. Be a praiser. Praise God. God, I'm going to just worship you for what I can worship you for. On this day for Job, kids dead, wife tripping, I'm sick, I'm broke, probably going to die. My friend's falsely judging me. He says, you know what? The Lord gave, blessed be the name of the Lord anyway. Blessed be his name. And so my encouragement to you and I is that we wouldn't make the mistake the Israelites made 
of complaining. We know that it displeased the Lord, angered God, it caused God to burn against them, but that we would instead, when there seem to be circumstances that are complaint worthy, that we would give thanks and praise to the Lord for all that he has done for us. You've been listening to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. As we study through the book of Numbers, do you relate to how the people wanted to rebel, complain, and doubt what God's doing? Throughout this book, it's easy to pick up on a theme that God doesn't look kindly at a rebellious spirit or behavior. However, he corrects the people in a way that causes them to come back to him with the right kind of heart. The lessons that he taught them are the same ones he teaches you today. He wants you to live fully for him, not just say one thing and do another. This means not going about your ministry complaining about the things that bother you. God wants you to be overflowing with gratitude for what he's doing in your life and to look back at the struggles and recognize that he was the one who got you through. Are you enjoying these things that you're gaining from the book of Numbers? Today's message is available to listen to again on our website at calvaryinglewood.org. Once you're there, just click on the Teachings tab. Otherwise, feel free to download our mobile app to listen to more messages like this. Just search for Calvary Chapel Inglewood in your app store. If you're looking for a place to connect this weekend, we'd love for you to join us for church. Look on our website for the latest information on service times and locations. We're a group of people who love to learn from God's Word and be together as the family of God. Again, our website is calvaryinglewood.org. Thanks for tuning in to today's edition of A Transforming Word.